0: Welcome to the Form Guide, inspiring conversations about mental health and wellbeing. This week we're chatting to Josh Krzyzewski, COO and Emir CEO of Mediacom, and we're going to be talking about all things wellbeing in the workplace. Thanks for tuning in. So, good morning, Josh Krzyzewski. Welcome to the Form Guide. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for being here. So that was, uh, I know you got sold by Bobby Bird. It's a 70s funk classic. Are you a 70s funk man, Josh? I, well, listening to that, I certainly am. Yeah, no, <laughs> I
1: like to listen to a bit of 70s funk when I'm driving the car and I just kind of desperate to get dancing on a dance floor quite soon. I haven't done that for for quite a while. And, and yeah, I think I'll be listening to some 70s soul when I do that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's yeah. one of the big things about lockdown that I've missed as well, is getting out there onto uh, onto a dance floor. And um, yeah, we're planning the uh, the Inside Out Awards for next year. And it was always going to be dancing in celebration. Um, and celebration. Uh, and we're just trying to book this amazing venue that'll be a bit different, but will involve a lot of dancing. So I'll, uh, okay. I'll definitely keep you posted on that. Excellent. Excellent. So welcome. You are uh, the global COO and Emir CEO of Mediacom. you talking of the awards, you also work the executive sponsor category for the inside out awards this year you do lots in the well-being and mental health space so we're going to get into all of that and keen to understand a bit of the work you've done at MediaCom as well but i guess first of all the question i always ask and that's having you today uh, out of 10 um as you can see my my score is a seven out of ten today i've just dropped off my little lad in his new uniform to his new school so proud dad Um, and then caveating that still a a few physical health challenges with long COVID and a bit of a headache going on, but that's balancing out it. yeah, yeah. Still, still drags on Josh, to be honest, but, um, there's no, no treatment yet, but I'm kind of used to it. So uh, good to be here. What about your score? How are you today? Uh, I think I'll give myself a seven out of 10 as well, actually. I
1: think, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty, um, I mean, I feel pretty good, I feel pretty happy, um, but I feel a bit. I suppose I've got a, a quite a long and hectic, quite is it stressful? I mean, it'll be stress. Well, let's see if it's going to be stressful. I've got quite. A, I've got quite a full-on day ahead of me today, so I'm sort of. Um, so, so I'm. So I wouldn't say it's like kind of yet, yeah, kind of cooking on gas. Um, as I mentioned to you before, we we started recording. I woke up in the middle of the night last night, which is something I I often struggle with when I'm feeling anxious. Um, so but I did get back to sleep. So I feel, I feel like a little bit tired. I'm
0: still feeling sort of a bit bleary eyed. um, But generally, I feel pretty good. Yeah, well, we'll we'll take that. And I guess uh, it's quite important, you're recognising that you've got a day of, you know, intense or stressful, difficult things happening. Um, and, And how do you sort of balance that with then to recover from that to make sure you're giving yourself the space to to process it all?
1: Well, I mean, I think it's the thing I try to do as much as possible is have breaks between meetings. Yeah. Um, and sometimes you can't, but at least like, let's say I've got, you know, three meetings on the trot. I might, I might change the time of one of them just so that at least I've got like a 15 minute break between two of them. Um, I, I always try and exercise at some point in the day I'm, I'm not sure when that's going to be today I, I like to exercise in the morning actually i generally have more energy in the morning yeah um so i think that's something that i really need to do and i like to just get at least half an hour of sort of daytime fresh air um yeah. as well so those are the sort of the things that i i try to do i also i suppose, I suppose just I try to really focus on what I'm doing at that specific time. So whilst I want to be prepared for every meeting that I have, what I don't want to be doing is having a session with you, thinking about the next meeting I'm having. I want to be yeah. completely present in my conversation with you. So, And I think that helps.
0: Yeah. And I think you know we're not great at multitasking. We tell ourselves that we can do it, but the brain just then flicks between those two tasks and then the overall efficiency goes down, the scientists will tell us. So it's, it is much yeah. better to focus on what's in front of us, isn't it? yeah exactly good stuff um so um what would a perfect 10 day look like for you Josh what would be the the components if such a thing exists that all the stars would align I'd have slept
1: at least eight hours without waking up I'd get up um I would have a coffee <laughs> um and then I'd probably go and do some exercise yep yeah. uh I'd then have a really nice breakfast. <laughs> um, and I would have a day of kind of hanging out with a combination of family and friends uh, ahead of me. So we're not talking about a work day here. not yeah. that I'm saying that work days aren't necessarily ten out of ten days, but you you know I'm trying to describe that you know my best type of day. The sun would be shining. I'd be wearing shorts yeah um, I'd also be wearing a top, but I'd be wearing shorts yeah um, and uh, maybe some flip-flops yeah, yeah. uh and uh yeah just be a combination seeing the people i love eating good food you know having a nice drink and general um kind of good
0: vibes yeah love that good so good sleep family people you care about um in a relaxed setting good food with some exercise you know some good cornerstones of our well-being there for me um I, I, I'm with you on that. It would be morning exercise, probably a dip in the sea, maybe swimming in the sea, a nice c- cold sea before breakfast. That that would uh, that would be in addition to my perfect ten day for sure. Very nice. So, so we can do the quick fire round. This is something I haven't asked you to prepare for before we we get into the the proper questions. And so this is if mental health were a what would it be? And um, the first thing that comes into your head really. So, if mental health were an animal, Josh, what would what would your mental health animal be? A lion lion brilliant why lion
1: because he's just like full of like energy and strength and you know I think of mental health as a kind of positive thing rather than as a negative yeah. thing so like I just think when I think of a lion I just think of kind of like full capacity really strong
0: yeah yeah I like that yeah I like that and they can be quite stealthy as well you can be they can be sort of hidden away a little bit and then they can be all action Um, but I do like that kind of positive look on on mental health um if mental health were a color what color comes to mind blue
1: blue yeah I, and the reason for that is that i just think of kind of tranquility when i think yeah. of blue um and um it's kind of my go-to really so so yeah
0: yeah yeah I love that it's also for me blue sky as well yeah. that kind of you know the sun is shining it's blue sky and, and indeed for the form score our kind of eight nine and tens they're, they're all different blues on the uh, oh, the right. colours that we use so yeah I'm, right. I'm with you on that um, if mental health were a food what would uh, what would the food be for you Josh oh it's really it's tough food. on that isn't it
1: I mean I really like lasagna <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> And it's funny, I was having st- I was having steak and chips with my son last night. I made it, I, I made it my 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 daughter, do- my wife and daughter. So this is supposed to be short quick fire, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it's cool, my wife and daughter were out having, They were out having having dinner. So I made yeah. my son his favourite dinner, which is steak and chips and salad. He doesn't yeah. like vegetables, but I made him have some salad as well. And I was sitting there eating it and drinking a very nice glass of red wine. And I was thinking, yeah. this is kind of a and I, this is what I'm telling you this isn't I was sitting there thinking, this is his perfect meal. What's my f- f- perfect meal? And I thought to myself, I do love a lasagna. It's just, yeah, yeah I love it. So that's probably, yeah.
0: yeah. I think, I'm, and I'm with you on that. It's kind of like a comfort food lasagna, isn't yeah. it? You know, it's kind of, you know, good textures, lots of different layers to it. Um, yeah, that's, yeah. That's, that's, that's good. If uh, mental health were a song or a piece of music, Josh, what's uh, what would it be for you? I love
1: elbow. Yeah. Um, and I love walking to elbow um, because it's sort of, Elbow is that a lot of their music is kind of a combination of glorious, sad, um, you know, amazing use of kind of strings, lots of violins, and yeah. and, and it's just real real and there are lots of real anthems. And yeah. um I just feel like it what I love about so so and you know, with mental health, what your mental health is. a spectrum isn't it you 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 move up and down that spectrum and I think elbow songs do that as well really beautifully so I think that would be the my answer
0: yeah yeah so a good anthemic elbow song I'm I'm with you on strings actually I think you know strings for me um you know those sort of epic songs that take you on a bit of a journey and that's you're right it's like that continuum that spectrum and you're traveling up and down it um so yeah that's good good answer right two more quick ones if uh, mental health were a holiday destination where in the world would that be Goa. Sorry, did you hear that? Goa. Goa, yeah. Why Why? Why Goa? You froze a bit. Yeah.
1: Um, well, there's this place called Agonda Beach, which um, is in the south of Goa that we, we, we often go to at Christmas time for a bit of winter sun, and it's just chilled. Like, it's like, there's nothing there. It's just really, really chilled out beach huts, There are yoga centres and lovely food, and there's nothing else there. And for me, that is kind of like my happy place. Love it. And, uh, yeah, I'm desperate to get back there.
0: Absolutely love it. Okay, last one. If mental health were sound, what sound comes to mind? Hmm. God, I don't know how to answer that question.
1: Um, I mean, because I talked about strings. Um, I suppose the the other instrument that I really love is the piano. Yeah. And I don't know if that's what you're looking for, but yeah, I, I, the, the piano is a very kind of uh, emotive instrument for me. And I always feel like it kind of, when, when you bring the piano into all sorts of different music, particularly dance music, I find that it really elevates the kind of the mood yeah um, and it's quite an emotive sound so yeah,
0: sound yeah. the sound of the piano absolutely uh yeah. and um yeah and uh, those big piano riffs in in house tracks paul walford is is uh one of my favorite producers who, who uses the piano a lot um yeah um, i love that sound um brilliant so i'm gonna try and put all that together so josh um we're, we're we're in Goa. We're in um, you know those 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 beach huts. It's a beautiful day. We can see you know the blue of the ocean going into a different blue of the sky. So our colour blue is there. Um, we we've got we've got a band there actually, and there's there's a pianist doing a, a very gentle lead in, and then you know a full string uh, you know kind of part of an orchestra that's playing an elbow some elbow covers. Um, strangely for Goa, we're eating lasagna but because we can we're there we're feeling very good about that um and then in the distance we'd see a pack of lions but we're not we're not worried about them we're just aware of their magnificence and their their presence so that's the uh that's the the image that I've put together on the on your quickfire round. So thank, thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> it's good. So good. We, yeah, maybe aside from the lasagna in Goa, we could probably make that happen actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Lions can be done can they? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I reckon the Lions could be there. All good. Um, so thanks for doing that. So welcome everybody on the live. Um, good to see you, Stephanie. Early, uh, early in the US. Luke, Sarah, and Hurrah. Great to see you all uh, on the comments. Hope you're all doing well today. So, Josh, we're going to have a chat about kind of the role of the exec sponsor um, and the need for companies to, I guess, be better at reporting on their mental health and well-being initiatives. Um, But you you won the Inside Out Awards exec sponsor category uh, for our awards this year. Um, Why do you think it's so important to have um, someone on the exec team sponsoring mental health and well-being?
1: I mean, I think um, first and
0: foremost, it's
1: important because... It's a good. It's well. It's an important symbol that mental that well being and mental health of the people of the company is of of, of critical importance to the company. Um, so you want the chief executive or an executive sponsor to be there to kind of first of all symbolise that and make sure that everybody understands that both internally and externally. Secondly, I think it's really important. Ultimately, because it's important, you know generally in companies for something to be taken really seriously and to actually for change to be you know to make change and to make stuff happen you need to have an executive sponsor um who will drive that change who will uh work with a team of people across the organization to make sure that change happens but also critically to sign off budget um, yeah. and actually you know have skin in the game and put put put, put our money where our mouth is so so for all of those reasons, I think it's important to have an executive sponsor. Um, funnily enough, through, you know, we've been doing mental health stuff for about six years at MediaCom, and I've always been the executive sponsor. Not by design; it was organic. That happened organically, honestly. But yeah, I think it. Hopefully, it has been, It has made a real difference.
0: Can you remember back to the the point where, you know, you thought actually this, you know, we need to do more and what what sort of catalyzed that, you know, that that six years ago?
1: Well, we were doing, we were doing, we always, inclusivity has always been really important at MediaCom. I was the chief executive for for MediaCom UK at the time Mm. and um, we were running an inclusion event. I, I've always been very interested in. Well, not I say always, but at least for the last ten years or so, I've been interested in well-being and in how we wellness and how we look after ourselves and how we, um, you know, how we build resilience. How I build resilience in myself and and how I can think about how how we build resilience in our people. And so those are things that have always been sort of very clear in my mind as something that's really important. And so when I took over as chief exec, I was very you know, one of the first things that I introduced into the business was, um, for example, was flexible working. So it's interesting now that we're doing, you know, we've been through this pandemic and everyone's going, trying to work out how they go back to work and hybrid working and so on and so forth. Whereas we were talking about, you know, I was saying to everyone, you can work wherever you want, whenever you want. Six years ago, when I was running the UK, the truth of the matter is actually, it was quite difficult to get people to, to, to work flexibly because they didn't... Um, they need, it. I think, people need more of a kind of actual framework for how you do that. And it, yeah. because, so, so anyway, I'm I'm kind of digressing, but anyway, the point is, I was quite keen on whole self wellbeing uh, uh, a while ago. But and we, so we did inclusion events, and at one point we had um, Johnny and Neil come and talk about their story, um, yeah. the, the the looking for the man on the bridge story, and there wasn't a dry eye in the room. When they came and spoke, and it was really clear, you know, and I, I and uh, I don't know if you know Nancy Langthorne who's our who's our chief uh, diversity and inclusion officer, and she, you know, we discussed the fact that this is really in, it's a really important thing, and it's clearly really important to our people. Maybe we should kind of focus in on mental health a bit more, and that, and that was the beginning of a long journey of um, kind of just a really actually kind of quite a big cultural changing focus. In the business and that, that so that was it that was kind of really the, the, the first moment that we sort of thought this is something we need to take seriously.
0: Yeah fantastic and I think you're right it does form part of the inclusion agenda um, for sure because I think in, in different ways you know that our ability to be ourselves whether we're living with a mental Ill- illness like I do uh, in bipolar or whether it's you know, being able to be yourselves and, and not creating that stress of trying to pretend to be something you're not in the workplace as well. So I think it's 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 important that it comes from that that point. Um, a question from Sarah on the chat around the kind of effort and time it takes being an exec sponsor on this agenda. And is it a matter of cost or is it, a, is it more kind of your time and showing up and, and stating that it's a priority? It's both. I mean, my time, so I would, I would dedicate... I
1: would go. So it's when we were physically in the office. I went to pretty much all the mental health um, sessions that we did in the agency. Whether it was when we were inviting clients in to talk to them about the stuff that we were doing, whether it was um, you know mental health training, I would have the mental health training myself. Uh, whether it was talking about it at the company uh, meetings, I would obviously be doing that. Um, Celebrating the mental health allies that we had in the business, I would obviously do that. So, 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 so physically, I was always there. Ever since it, since lockdown, we've been introducing a lot of other things into the into the age into the business, and we've been globalizing it. Now that I'm in a global role, we've we've you know we've rolled out our mental health allies schemes to 16 countries so far, and it will be everywhere in the world by next year. <clears throat> and obviously, I take responsibility for doing that. So I launch a lot of that. I speak to the different markets about what we're doing. So yeah, it's it's it takes up. A, a proportion of my time but it's i love it you know it's like a it's the, probably my favorite part of my job actually because i'm so passionate about it so i don't see it as kind of laborious in any, in any way but it, it's definitely an investment but one that i've that I, I i get huge return on that investment um in terms of financially yeah we you know we, there are things that you know as I, I mentioned before we do mental health training that costs money <clears throat> and we do that everywhere um and we do that for um, uh managers we do it for new starters uh we do it for anyone who wants to do it frankly uh we also have kind of resources externally for people to access so that does require some budget um not a huge amount honestly mm. um um but yeah it does require signing off some budget you know we're about to do a well I mean we're talking about reporting we're about to kick off a well-being audit which is our own um, mental health reporting we're using the external provider for that costs that costs some money so yeah that you know you do have to put your money where your mouth is if you want to do this properly I think
0: yeah, yeah. And, I, and I think that's right isn't it that if we're if we're you know as, as I'm sure you would say your people are your your greatest assets of, of, of the business it's a people business um we do need to invest in in ensuring that our people are well healthy um and you know have that resilience that you know personally you you've built up by doing the things we talked about exercising and and prioritizing sleep and all of that so it's it's important we make that investment for sure what what initiatives are you most proud of um maybe you've touched on them but in that 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 six year journey you've been on I mean I think we so we I'll talk I'll I'll,
1: I'll sort of talk about the, the I think the main things that we've done. So we created a mental health ally scheme which has been um you know it's it's like a first aid scheme but it yeah. but it's about um well, you know signposting and being there for people um to have conversations. I think we, that was the first thing we did. We've also set up an ERG um, a mental health ERG. So that ensures that there are always kind of regular check-ins for people. Um, There's loads of communications go out from the ERG. There's always access for people within the company, but also external um, assistance um, for anyone who wants to have a conversation. Uh, we've created sharing sessions where people talk about their own experiences and have also written stories about their mental health stories that they shared with the whole company. I'd actually say that that in itself, the sharing element, has probably been the most transformational element in terms of mental health in our company. And what I mean by that is when we first did my mental health story, that kind of overnight sort of changed the culture in the company to be a place where people felt that they could... It was okay not to be okay. It was okay to say how you really felt to be vulnerable. In fact, you were celebrated for it. Um, yeah. People, it broke it brought it broke down barriers. You know, it really kind of destigmatized the the conversation around mental health. And then, and then I think you need to maintain that, keep the momentum going. We always have done. So I think, yeah. and we've, and that's moved into all other areas of inclusivity as well. So, you know, people talk about their Black history story. People talk about their um, uh sexuality story that you know their gender story there's loads of sharing that happens that I think is really broken down but that started with mental health we've Brilliant. created a manager's guide for managers to be able to have um look out for their people you know which is a really useful document we've got mental health training for all we've got an employee assistance program we've got health you know bupa healthcare for people yeah. uh, to, to get to if they need you know actual uh, uh, professional help um we have um, created this beautiful booklet, a mental health booklet that has really good explanation of all the different types of mental health um, issues that people might have, and also has the uh, phone numbers for different charities that you can contact, whether it's um, a charity around, um, you know, Beat, which is a charity around um, eating disorders, or Young Minds, or um, Samaritans. Um, We've created a working from home well-being guide. At, sorry, I know I'm banging on. No, that's
0: really interesting stuff. Go, go for we've it. Created a well a
1: working from home well-being guide that's really has really kind of useful, practical ways of looking after yourself when you're working from home, and looking after your family and looking after your teams. So we've done that. We've also done some amazing conscious leadership training for people, which is around understanding the relationship between thought and feeling. And, you know, it, it, that for me has been really quite transformative and yeah. understanding my mind, you know, my, 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 my state of mind and how, how thought impacts that and how actually yeah. I can control that quite a lot. So yeah.
0: loads of stuff. Brilliant, really good, and I'm hearing a few things there. And I think one of the, the themes that's coming out strongly for me is the the way that the uh, the sharing and the my story has created effectively a psychologically safe workplace culture um, because you've created an environment where people can share and be themselves and be authentic and that seems to have translated to other areas of inclusion as you've mentioned and I think you know you look at Google and um, their uh, their well-being um, charter or pledges out there on the internet at the moment um, but they talk a lot about um you yeah, highly effective teams and the number one priority of highly effective teams is creation of psychological safe psychologically safe workplaces um and i think by creating that safe space for vulnerability and for sharing stories you, you've done that would you agree yeah i think that's exactly been that was the purpose of it and it's
1: i think it's i think it really has done that but i think what's key is always doing it like you you can't just do it and then not do it anymore you just got to cat you got to carry on doing it and yeah and and and, yeah I I I I, listen I I'm I'm COO I'm global COO of a company that's got eight and a half thousand people all over the world so I think it would be disingenuous for me to say yeah we've kind of successfully created a completely psychologically safe culture everywhere in the world because the truth is I don't know yeah. You know, I'd love to say we have, but I don't know. But that is the mission. That's what we're trying to do. And 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 I think that to, to your earlier point about what's the role of a, of, a, of a exec sponsor, I think that's kind of my responsibility to, to really show my own vulnerability when I'm talking to the company and talking about why these things are important and personally issue challenges that I have. And I think that if our leaders can do that, then I do think it disseminates through the organisation. And then if we carry on doing the things that we, we I've talked about, and by the way, we'll have loads more stuff going on as well, yeah. then, yeah, I think it does create a, a more psychologically safe environment.
0: Yeah. And and you've touched on a point, and there's a, a question from a, a good uh, friend of mine, Rob Rob Doyle, who's uh, Head of Health and Safety for Amy Consulting, um, who we work with at Formscore. And and Rob asks around, you know, how you approach that transferring your own passion to get engagement and intentional engagement from from the workforce. And I guess my link to that, my question is around. Often we can see great engagement from the the exco, um, and and obviously the the employee at the ground level, people want to to be looked after from mental health and well being, and often we we see this blockers at the kind of mid-manager level so how do you sort of transfer your passion down through all the different layers of the organization And I guess the training would be part of it right but how do you manage to do that
1: so yeah I think training is manager training is a a critical part of it because people are promoted through an organization into management roles and not given the wherewithal to actually manage people and so so that's quite a so and when I say management training I also mean mental health management training but um I'd say almost more fundamentally than that is that our our mental health ERGs and all of our ERGs are actually, and all of our mental health ally programmes really are programmes that were created by the people for the people. So whilst you have an exec sponsor like myself um, kind of being a figurehead, these people, I'm not running these ERGs. I'm not running the, the Mental Health Ally programs. I'm not doing that, you know. And, and, and that's done by people at every level in the organization. So it means that every level is represented within the organization. And it means that when you, and, and, and also, when you know, when we're rolling out our Mental Health Allies program, we're very purposefully not saying, right, this is the blueprint, this is how we did it in the UK. You've got to do it exactly the same way because we recognize that there are, nuances in every in every market in every country that um that you that really are critical to the success of that in that in that country so so i have to i don't want to be kind of ethnocentric about about how we go about doing those things so what we do is we give them a guideline we give them a, a a company that will help them um roll it out and help them do the training in their market but equally we give it to them to take ownership of and say you guys are going to make a success of this you guys have to take ownership of it It has to be throughout at every level in the organization and you know the principle is if you do that then it's successful and if you don't it's not and and yeah there's only you know you, you can you, there's only so much i can do which is like give them the you know, give them the resources to make a success of it. And then you need to have the, the the wherewithal and the kind of the commitment locally to do that. And I think, but by and large, all markets that we've introduced it at, at so far have done. Um, and I think that we've under, I think, we, I think some people are, a couple of years ago, so I've got two roles now. I'm the CEO for Europe, Middle East and Africa, and I'm the global COO. When I took over as CEO for Europe, Middle East and Africa, some of my team said to me, you know, you, all your mental health stuff you talk about in the UK—it's not necessarily relevant in all the all the markets in in EMEA. And I was like, mm, that sounds a bit weird, but um, okay. Um, and then I remember being one of the markets. I remember one of the markets that I went and spoke at was uh, when I went. That I, I was visiting was Poland, and I was, in, yeah. I was in the Poland office. And I remember speaking to doing a Q and A with our with our kind of. So our, 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 I think it was about hundred people from from the Poland office and and um they were quite quiet and I started talking about mental health and it just really everyone suddenly got really engaged in it and really wanted to talk about it and so that demonstrated to me that there was a real opportunity to introduce something that had never really been broached before um and I think it's been particularly right now where times are just tough for everybody I think it's been really important
0: I think that's a really interesting point and I do a lot of talks uh, globally and, and what I've learned is that mental ill health doesn't discriminate between border or culture. There is mental illness everywhere, but what does discriminate is the levels of stigma um, um, and the the cultural differences as to how open naturally we can be about our mental health. And, you know, as you go into Asia, um, but certain other communities that it's, it's much harder. And we've got to keep chipping away at that. And I think um, it's it is wonderful when you do see people opening up in cultures that are um, traditionally more stigmatised. Um, because I can tell you that that mental ill health is very rife and apparent in in all cultures, um, particularly yeah. as we come through this pandemic, right?
1: Absolutely, yeah, yeah. I mean, so we talk about uh, well being. Um allies in certain markets, yeah. know, in India, for example, rather than mental health allies.
0: Yeah, and I think I think that makes sense. And, and I think in certain, certain clients that I work with, we talk a lot about performance and performance improvement, but actually it's equipping people t- with the ability to proactively manage well-being, but also empowering them to seek help if they're struggling and making sure there's a, a resource there to do so. So That's, really interesting. <laughs> <laughs> That's very interesting. That's really interesting because I
1: often... I often get asked, you know, how do you balance performance with well-being? And, and basically it's the same thing, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> yeah. it, it, it ultimately Absol- is. A- a- you absolutely. You can't have a high-performing culture if people aren't well.
0: No, no, no. And, you yeah, I think the, the, the term that's commonly misunderstood is resilience. You know, people think resilience is often pulling the all-nighter, it's strength, it's missing vacations. Mm. Um, and that's just a recipe for burnout resilience is actually building up the reserves so when you do need to have a day like you've got ahead or you've got something big going on or a pandemic comes our way then you've got the capacity to adapt to it it's the flexibility um and i think a lot of the educational stuff i do it's around you kind of, yeah self-care is not selfish self-care is an essential component to being the best you could be in in all aspects of your life including your job yeah and I, and i think when I talk to boards it's it's some will get it it's like the moral case it's the right thing to do others need to understand the performance case but they're both there and it's a kind of win-win really yeah
1: absolutely. So, you do,
0: so you're doing lots um which is great to see and it's great to share some of that with uh, with our watchers and listeners um obviously you're also passionate about the kind of the the need for better reporting from employers on mental health and well-being can you share why you think that's so important Josh
1: Yeah, I mean, I think basically it's really, I think there has to be an element of accountability um, for companies of a certain scale. You know, I'd say probably companies with 250 people or more um, about around, you know, if we really want to see change and if we really want our, um, you know, we have to recognise that so much time is spent in a, uh, of our people's time is spent at work, whilst their mental health may not, be driven by work i think it's really important that companies are taking responsibility for the well-being of their people and so and i think that there are certainly over the last couple of years you've seen more and more companies talking about mental health more companies talk, talking about well-being and serious you know seeming seemingly taking it more seriously and i think that's great i worry that once the pandemic is truly over companies will revert to type and focus just on the bottom line and all of that concern around people's mental health will just go out the window frankly and so i feel like it's important to have some form of accountability that keeps companies on this celebrates great stuff that's being done and makes it more accessible to to come to others so that we can all kind of raise our game really and that's in that place that's that's it's kind of the thinking honestly
0: yeah yeah um Really, really interesting, and I, I, I agree with you. I think that on a couple of points, really. One, I think the, the it's great to see the elevation in conversation about mental health and well-being in the workplace, um, and it's great to see that translated into action. Um, we need sustained long-term action to make you know, long-term change and improvement, for sure. Um, but I think organisations that actually do mental health and well-being well, um, uh, or also not averse to reporting on that and to being accountable and i think if we can use that to drive that action that long-term action it, it would be um, it'd be interesting to see what, what would that look like for you i mean what what do you do internally for example you mentioned you're doing an audit at the moment
1: well so we're doing an audit that's that uh, it's basically a, it's basically a um very simply, a survey for our people to. to well, it hasn't kicked off yet, actually, but it's a survey for people to talk about how they how they're doing, how they're feeling, how they feel about um, initiatives going on in the company, to really inform us to be able to um, improve what we do and focus in on stuff that we think is working and, and less so on others. And I think what how. So my vision of how it, how it would be is that there'd be a survey that would be available for download via a dedicated government portal. So what what I'm talking about here is getting. I'm 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 going to kind of I'm on a bit of a mission to Matt to get government to mandate mental health reporting. So so there'd be a survey that would be available for download by. By the way, this is kind of my thinking at the moment.
0: Yeah.
1: There are some areas of it that I might change, I, and I won't go into it now, but broadly where i am right now is a survey for people to download in portal businesses would share this with all of their employees in whichever way they felt was appropriate to them then each business uh, would be responsible for compiling and sharing its findings within their business uh, the reporting would um uh, um The, 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 the idea that um, we're doing this would be very publicized and mandated by government. Yeah. Um, so businesses wouldn't be able to ignore it. Um, and it, employees would would expect the survey to come because it'd be very publicly stated by the government. Now we wouldn't we wouldn't actually make the rep- the, the data that the, the, the companies that, that they get back, we wouldn't get them to publish it. And I was thinking before that we would. But the thinking now is that we wouldn't. And the reason for that is we'd we'd originally considered having business upload their data into a government portal to make this public. But there are nuances, I think, that make this probably slightly inappropriate. Firstly, we don't want this to be a tool um, in which we attack uh, industries or businesses because mental health is a really complex issue. Yeah. And uh, and the role businesses play in supporting it is equally complicated. So in order to encourage leaders and their teams to change and improve, it really needs to be a positive conversation about best ways to support our people. And secondly, there'll be a context to data. There's always a context to data. It's not as black and white as, for example, gender pay gap reporting. Uh, which is numbers-led. So, for example, if a business has encouraged its people um, to be open and honest about their mood and their health, then that business may well see more people stating that they're concerned about their mental well-being. Correct. Whereas if a a business has encouraged no conversation and a really stoic approach, um, employees may say, everything's fine, and therefore the business is doing great and would, without context, look worse than the business who's doing nothing. So... We believe that the mandate, mandating the need to report back to your own business will allow organisations to be accountable to their own people, mm-hmm. but also give context to the people who really need to see it. So that's kind of that's my thinking at the moment. I don't I think broadly that's where we'll net out in terms of what the survey looks like that could change. because It could be a government everyone has the same survey it could be that we there are some fantastic indexes out there at the moment like the mind index or the unmind index that you know you could use you know um external suppliers of surveys if they're really kind of scientifically robust surveys so i'm not sure that we necessarily need to be prescriptive about that but we'll see further down the line on the journey
0: yeah i like it i like the idea of reporting back to uh, to to employees and i think I think organisations would then have the um, could make a decision as to what they wanted to put in their annual accounts and annual statements on on this to to show what they're doing and the results of that. And again, I think organisations that are doing well would probably be more um, open to to sharing that data publicly, but without forcing organisations to do so. Yeah. And I think you're right; we do want to inspire people to get on the on the journey to improve, um, which is which is interesting. Um, we, we certainly feel as we get form score into more and more organisations, we've also got a, a good metric of the organisational form score, um, the score out of 10, which is a very simple real-time measure as well. So um, interesting to see how that, that transpires. And, and how important do you think, you know, the collection of data around mental health and wellbeing in the workplace is, Josh?
1: Well, I mean, I don't think it's great, honestly. I mean, I think, I think um the reason why I'm trying to do this is that I don't see, I don't see anything that really brings companies together to do that at the moment. So, you know, we've had to work quite hard to find a good supplier to create a survey that we think is, you know, that we've gone back and forth. Um, so I think it's very difficult to know where good stuff is happening. I think it's, you know, the, the great work that you guys do, um, that this can happen does, um, and others, you know, but not many, are great at um, identifying companies that are doing good stuff. But the onus is on you to do that, yeah. and I think it should be
0: easier to be able to see what good looks like. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and where would you like to see this in a few years' time? What would what would be the you know the vision?
1: Well, in my vision is that we do this. The government gets behind it, um, and it gets you know it gets proper exposure, and that and that companies feel that accountability, and therefore, you know, want to maintain and get behind and really focus on the, the well being of their people and that it's you know actually it's good business that businesses only do business with other businesses who are being seen to be caring for their people and doing the right stuff for their people and and genuinely um, recognizing that their people are their greatest assets and so that's that's the vision is that it's you know we are not just financially focused in everything that we do and by the way listen I think there's been there's been great steps in all walks of purpose you know business is much more purpose focused now yeah. you know definitely you, you it's very hard to, you you'd be hard pushed to find blue chip companies talking about that, that don't talk about sustainability that don't talk about um, diversity and inclusion um, and that don't talk about you know well-being to a certain extent. Mm. I worry that the fact, you know, the well-being and the mental health one will be the one that gets kind of pushed off the list um, when when we come out of all of this. And so that's really my vision is to make sure that doesn't happen.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's interesting seeing uh, we saw Nike that with the uh, giving the head office um, staff a mental health week and a break, and we've seen other businesses do that which I think are great um, in terms of elevating the conversation. They're great for those employees that can benefit from it. I just do worry that, that this is a, a little bit of a sticking plaster atop a, a bigger issue that we need to be inspiring companies to you know, actually really dig into the culture, the training, all of the stuff that you've been talking about. And I think if we, if we can make this increase in accountability and also then have a medium for sharing good practice... Um, which is what I think is great about the conferences, this can happen, and you know, Chris Cummings' stuff, um, that, that we, we can actually inspire organisations not to take action, but also then to tap into the good stuff that you, know, you guys are doing or Deloitte are doing, et cetera. And do you think that element of it's quite important too? I do, because I think, listen, I, don't, I, don't, I wouldn't
1: criticise a company for doing days off and those big symbolic gestures, because I don't know what else they do. So, yeah. you know, who knows whether they're you know, I remember I think Bumble did something a while ago as well, uh, like that, yeah, and I celebrate anything that 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 brings up the conversation again, but I do worry that it's like, okay, job done, we can move yeah. on from that. we've done that, let's do this now and, and I think it's all about having a sustainable program to ensure that this doesn't go away, and this you know. You know, we, they, I, I also, it, sometimes I feel like the conversation becomes a really, like it, it, mental health is a problem to solve. Like mental For me, mental health is not a problem to solve. Mental health is a solution. Like, yeah. We want our people to thrive. If our people are thriving, our businesses will thrive it's, it's yeah. so this is not like a it's not like a, oh god you, we really need to solve the mental health problem it's not it's like we really want our people to be thriving to be brilliant and to be because that is what performance is about and we're in yeah. business so we want our businesses to perform brilliantly and so yes I think it's important to <clears throat> it's important to create a sustainable um practice but the the, the, the reason for that is because it's going to be amazing yeah. you know we're going to have workforces that that are, that are that are thriving. Yeah. So what's not to love about that? And I think that's the you know it's not if you if you look at that separately from the bottom line and you go well no we got really need to focus on the numbers now you're completely missing the point. Yeah. Uh, and and that's what I, yeah. uh, you know and it's difficult because you don't want to be banging people on the head with that you want people to understand
0: that and see the benefits of it. Absolutely, 100 percent I mean, I think, you yeah, know, for me, the opportunity is to have more of your people thriving more of the time, the numbers will then follow. I think, yeah, the problem that I think some organizations need to solve where mental health is concerned is the impact of work and work culture on people's mental health and well-being. And I think, yeah, some of those cultures that are causing mental ill health, that that's they need to be fixed. Um, but it's the same opportunity. And I think if we can just help people with literacy with resources with education with training to be a seven out of ten or an eight out of ten more than a four and a five out of ten they will be better at their jobs they'll also be better husbands and wives they'll be better parents they'll be better friends and I think that's the wonderful magnificent opportunity that if we go back to your mental health lion that's kind of you know what we're trying to achieve right yeah absolutely
1: listen I couldn't agree I couldn't agree more with what you just said there. it's exactly right and 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 you know the the, the the relationship between inside and outside of work is such an important one. You know we forget about that, and and, yeah. and we talk about work all the time. Actually, you know, being a better ha- being a better husband, better wife, better father, better son, etc. is 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 fundamental to your to to having a high form score and to and to having a great to be able to instill a great culture within your working environment to ensure that everybody else has the same. Yeah. So yeah, you know, I think, you know, you're doing brilliant work and, and, um, really important work. And, and so, and I, I couldn't agree with, with you more.
0: Thank you, Josh. Um, good of you to say. So, quick hello to Grace and Sarah Jane on the on the live chat. Thanks for tuning in. So, w- one more question for you, Josh. Um, we're kind of curating a library of well-being nuggets. You know, the one bit of wisdom that you'd be prepared to share um, on managing well-being. What would be your well-being golden nugget? I mean, I, it's
1: it's a my nugget's a tricky one to say because I'm going to say it and people going to go, well, "What the hell does that mean?" But <laughs> I think that the thing that, I, that helps me the most in life is understanding that when I'm driving myself mad, worrying about something, it's, that's my thought that's yeah. doing that. And that's not reality. That's just my thought. Yeah. And it's very easy to... I'm not saying, so just think positive. I'm not saying that. I'm saying just recognise that that's thought. It's not reality, and when you yeah. recognise that that's a thought, you can go, okay, that was a thought. Yeah. But there are other thoughts I can have as well, yeah. And that can often take me to a kind of more positive mental mindset. Uh, mindset. Mind
0: I love that absolutely and, and you know in me in, in dealing with the challenges of the depression that I experience a lot of those are it's negative self-talk thoughts that then self-talk um and actually accepting that they are just thoughts and that they, they will pass and they were, they're fleeting with a sense of lightness of curiosity can be very very helpful so great nugget there Josh thank you so much so this is the form guide, inspiring conversations about our mental health and well-being. Uh, next up, we've got Alistair Banks, who is a role model from the forthcoming uh, Inside Out Board and has a powerful story from a, a male perspective around the impact of miscarriage and loss and grief. So we're going to cover that topic next week. But in the meantime, uh, Josh, thank you so much for sharing. Thanks for all you're doing and, and really super excited to see the reporting project and where you get to on that. Thanks yeah. very much. Cheers. Thanks, Josh. Bye. <laughs>